If you're thankful for the goodness of God, say amen. Amen. And I tell you what, there are people all around us that need to know of his goodness. And that's why we're here. That's why this church is here. Uh, that's why we gather together on Sunday mornings to worship the Lord, to meet with God, yes, but to receive encouragement and instruction and the strength that we need to go out and share the goodness of God with the world around us. Uh, because people in the world, everybody in the world is on one of two roads, either headed uh, toward heaven and eternal life with God or they're headed toward hell and eternal separation uh, from God. And we want to be those roadblocks uh, on the road to hell. You know, I was thinking about as, as we we're seeing the, about the goodness of God uh, in the bridge there, where it talks about the uh, uh, the about His goodness running after us, and you know, in uh, Psalm 23, it talks about how surely mercy, uh, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and uh, that is God uh, pursuing uh, after us. But I hope you understand that the reason God pursues after us, part of the reason God pursues after us is that there's somebody that loves us and cares for us that's praying for us. And, uh, and that's, that's what we as a church need to be. Uh, we need to be uh, uh, involved in, in prayer to the degree that it impacts the world around us. I'm not, I'm not talking about uh, getting uh, certain election uh, results and things like that. I'm talking about lost people running headlong into the goodness of God and bowing the knee to Jesus Christ. Uh, that's the type of impact uh, that uh, real praying can have. We're, talk we're in this series on the roadblocks of hell and we're basing it out of Romans chapter one and we've looked at how uh, true servants can be uh, a roadblock and how uh, the Holy Scripture is a roadblock that he has given us. And then last week we looked at the Holy Spirit uh, being that roadblock uh, as well. And we're gonna be looking at another one uh, this morning. The, the fourth one uh, is prayer uh, and impact praying. So in Romans chapter one, and we're gonna pick up in verse eight uh, this morning. We've been focusing on the first seven verses. Now we're gonna move into verse eight uh, this morning as, as we look at this. And understand this, as we're talking about prayer here, and when we look at the prayer life of Paul and the prayer life of the New Testament church and compare it to how we pray today, there's a drastic difference there. We're talking about more than just saying your prayers. Now, there's nothing wrong with parents talking to their children and having a prayer time each night when you go to bed or having a prayer time over each meal saying those prayers. That's important that we, we teach those things. But we've got to move even deeper than that uh, into our praying. That's a good start, and there's nothing wrong with that, but God's calling us to do impact praying, to be involved in, in praying that impacts of the world uh, around us. You know, back when I, I played high school football and, and baseball, uh, one of the things that we did before every game, we would, um, uh, we would get on our knee and we'd repeat the Lord's Prayer. And, and that's good. And, and there can be a witness in the midst of that uh, as you do that. But I also recognize there were guys that were doing that uh, that were going to, as soon as that game was over, going to go out and get drunk as a skunk uh, and everything. And the only reason they were saying that prayer so God would give them a base hit or help them not to mess up and get a penalty during the game or something like that. And we're not talking about that type of praying, all right? Prayer is much more than that. Let's look here in verse eight at Paul's prayer as it's written down here in the chapter one of the, the book of Romans where he says, first, 
I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Now understand this, he says thank, but how do you thank God but through prayer? And you'll see that even as he's going, as he's writing this down, he's talking about his prayer life for the people of Rome. Yes, the believers in Rome, but the lost people in Rome as well because he's gonna be talking later on in chapter one about the gospel of Christ and he's not ashamed of that. And so he's praying for them. He says, uh, uh, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayer. So there, there's that praying that we're talking about. Making request, if by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and of me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I've often planned to come to you, but it was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. There's a lot going on here, but the main thing I want us to focus in on is the prayer life of Paul. When we talk about praying, what do we mean by, by praying? Praying, very simply, is, is conversation with God. It is, when we're talking about praying, we're talking about just like I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you, and just like as I was walking around greeting you and we had conversation, at the, we ought to be having conversation with God. Now, it needs to go something deeper than how you're doing, you know, uh, type of thing, but uh, it, it, with, with God, we can have conversation uh, with God. We can have uh, communication with him. We can have fellowship with God. That's what prayer is. Prayer is a, an intimacy with God where we're talking with him and we're listening to him. That's what prayer is. And we're doing this with the God, how great thou art that we were singing about. That very God is the God that we can have fellowship and communication and conversation with. That, that blows my mind. And what really blows my mind is how often I neglect that. What could be more important than that? What could be a greater priority than that? You know, I've, I've been around church for a little while now. For over 30 years I've been in ministry and uh, in, in, in doing this. And one thing that it seems like that has happened in church, and uh, I thought COVID might change this, but I think it's even made it worse, is that the church today, we do more than the church has ever done, and we try harder than the church has ever tried, and we spend more money than the church has ever spent, but I think we do less praying than the church has ever done. And it may be why we're having less impact. I think in many ways the anemic state of the church today and why we're in so desperate need of revival it's because of the anemic prayer lives of the people that participate and serve in those churches. You know, James chapter 4, you know, we, we pray for revival and we pray for God to move, but we very rarely see it happen. In James chapter 4, he said that you have not because you ask not, and you ask and don't get because you're asking amiss. You're asking for the wrong reasons. 
And see, and I think it goes down into our, even our, our hearts for God and our, our, our heart relationship with God because if we have that, that real conversation and, and communication where we're listening to God and we're having this relationship with God, I think he'll transform our prayer life into what it, what it should be. And so really well, I think what we need to do more than anything is to get our hearts right with God. I think the anemic prayer life is, 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 a, is a, a, a symptom of a deeper problem that our hearts are not as hot after God. We're not in love with God like we say we are. How can you say you love somebody and you don't ever talk to them? Or how can you say you love somebody when you'd rather talk to somebody else more than them? We need the type of praying that impacts our community and the world around us. Matter of fact, the impact praying, let me tell you about impact praying. Impact praying impacts God. It moves the heart of God. Now, I'm not tr saying we're trying to convince God of what we want him to do and change his mind. But the Bible is very clear. There's some things God will not do unless we ask him. And, and also in, involved in that is the fact that, that when we are seeking the heart of God and going after the heart of God, and then our heart begins to line up with what is already his desire. And so we're asking what's already in his heart, and it moves the heart of God. Impact praying moves the heart of God. Impact praying moves me. It changes me. It changes my priorities. It changes my heart. It cha the more you pray and the more you meet with God, the more your heart will change. And impact praying can move others as well. Dallas Willard said this. He said, people are meant to live in an ongoing conversation with God. That's, that's the way he made us. Speaking and being spoken to by God. If we're uh, and talking about making an impact on this community, you know, how would it be, we're talking about roadblocks, how would it be if, if somebody went out, if there's a, a bridge out on the road and it's a real dangerous, huge ravine that is there that if somebody went down that ravine, they would have a crash and probably die as a result of that and the bridge is out. How would it be if, if you know, there's all these warning signs that are there and somebody goes up and takes the warning signs away, takes the, the roadblock away, takes the, the signs and the flashing lights away and just takes them away where there's nothing there to warn. How dangerous would that be? See, that's what, what happens in the, in the church when we don't pray like we should. We're removing the barricades. We're removing the warning signs. We've got to get back to praying the way the New Testament church prayed. We need impact praying. So let's talk about that a little bit this morning. The first thing I want us to focus in on is the, the basics of impact praying. The basics of impact praying. And there in verse 8, he, he reveals this to us. Where he says in verse 8, he says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. There's three things, he did, just three basics of, of impact praying. He mentioned that. First of all, he says it is to God. He says, First, I thank my God. 
I thank my God. His prayer is, and, and you know, we, we say, well, of course it's to God. But no, I think sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we're so focused on what we're saying, we, we're not focusing on who we're saying it to. Prayer is to God. The God that he's talking about here is the only God. It is, he is the all-powerful God. He is the, the great God that we were singing about earlier. He's the one that is on the throne, and he's the only one that is on the throne. And yet he's the one that, that knows what is right and that knows what is best, that knows the future, and that loves us like no other. We're able to talk to this God. This great and mighty God. And not only does Paul say that, that he's thanking God, he says, I thank my God. <laughs> he's a personal God. He, he comes to us. He's the one who saved us. He's the one that redeemed us. He's the one that has forgiven us. He's the one that is with us and loves us like no other. And he says, come to me. Let's talk about things. I want to share with you my heart and I want to hear your heart. Why would we neglect that? I think it's because sometimes we forget that praying is to God. It's to him. And notice he starts off saying, I thank my God. I thank my God. Again, putting the focus even more on, on God. The one that he's thanking God. Why? Because God's the one that has blessed him. This God that he's praying to, that he's called to, is the one that is, has blessed him. And he's the source of all blessings. He's the source of everything that we need. It is found in him. He's the, the only way. And he is worthy. He's worthy because not only because of his power and his greatness and his majesty, but also because of his passion and love for us that this great God that is so great and so beyond us and so holy that we don't deserve to get anywhere near him, we're nothing but worms and we're sinful, rebellious worms at that. Yet he's made a way and he's made access and he's taken away our sins so that we can have fellowship with him. He's removed that barrier. We get to go to God. We get to go to God. Impact praying is not only to God, but it's also through Christ. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you. It's through Jesus Christ. When he says Jesus, he's just letting us know who is the Christ. He's reminding us that this Jesus that you read about here in this, this it's him. It's the one that was born of Mary, that was born of the virgin. It's the one that was baptized by John and the, the spirit descended upon him and the voice from heaven said, this, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He's the one that lived the sinless life and performed all those miracles. He's the one that died on the cross for our sins and on the third day was raised from the dead. That very Jesus, he's the only savior and he's the one that has made the way and we come through him. Jesus Christ, the word Christ means he is the promised Messiah. He is the one that Isaiah 53 was talking about that would bear our sins and die for us. He is the, the God of glory, the God of majesty. It's him. And we get to abide in him. Matter of fact, John 15, 7, and talking about prayer, Jesus, this very same Jesus, taught the disciples and tells us, 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. That's a promise from Jesus. Now we need to be abiding in him. Maybe that's why we're not having impact praying is we're not abiding in him like we should. Abiding in him means that all your life is in him. You're depending upon him. He's the one that, that lives within you and works within you and works through you. And so we must abide in him. And we must also have his words abiding in us where we're listening to his word and we're seeking to obey and honor his word. And then we need to ask, realizing that we can't do this. We need him. So we're asking of him. We're depending upon him. He's the one that can do it. And he's the one that will do it. He says, and it shall be done to you. You get to see it happen. That's what Jesus does. And so impact praying is to God and through Christ. But impact praying is for others. He says in verse 8, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. For you all. And then not only that, but in verse 9 where he talks about making these requests, he says that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. And so he's talking about praying for others. He's, he's thankful for others and he's thankful for, for what they, they have done and, and how God has worked in their life. And so he's giving God thanks for that. But then he's also interceding for others and he's praying for them. See, prayer is not just about me and mine. Oftentimes, that's, that takes up the majority of our praying. And, and when you have needs, yes, you can take those needs to the Lord, and we, and we need to do that. But it's not just about me and my. And some of you think, well, I'll just, I know what that means. I'm supposed to pray for others, so I'll pray for others. But you're like the lady, uh, the, 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 the single young lady that was there that was looking for a husband and was praying for a husband. She heard the preacher say, you're not supposed to pray for yourself. So she started praying for her mother that she would get a new son-in-law. Uh, so... <laughs> And, and that's kind of how we do our prayer life. But praying is to be on our hearts. Our hearts are to line up with God's heart. And God cares for others. And God cares for lost souls. And it is time for the church to begin to intercede for others. For others. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3, Paul talking about, and Paul was a man who prayed for lost people and prayed for others. And he says that these lost people that we're praying for, he says in, in, in uh, verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 4, says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. And he can almost, as you read that word perishing, hear the ache of Paul's heart. Because he said, whose minds the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. You see, they're spiritually blinded. And for spiritual blindness to be healed, to, for healing to come to those that are spiritual, it takes a miracle of God. So we better pray. We need to pray See, no revival has ever come without prayer. And not only that, I don't know that any lost person has ever been saved without somebody praying for them. 
It's time to wake up and pray and remember that praying, impact praying, is to God through Christ for others. Impact praying is a huge roadblock for people that are on the wide and broad way headed toward hell. Now let's go a little bit deeper in this impact praying and I want to bring out a few more features of Paul's impact praying. Those are the basics of it there, but then notice the features of of the way that Paul is, is praying here. Uh, in these verses. First of all, we see that impact praying comes from a servant heart. We talked about that back in the very first message, but it, that servant heart carries over into our praying. Notice what he says in verse 9. For he says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. So as he says serving there, he uses that word serving, but he's also ta- he's talking about serving God, but he's also about talking about serving God in the gospel. So he's serving others as well by sharing them the gospel. Now this word serve, there's, there's different words in the New Testament for serve. And, and we looked at one of those words where we talked about when Paul said, I'm a, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ back in, in verse one. That was doulos. That was the bond slave. That's what he was saying. That's not the word that is used here. There's another word for serve that, that's where we get the word deacon from. And it means to, to wait on tables or to do some, some task for someone to, to help them out and, and, and to do that uh, for them, uh, expecting nothing in, in return. And so that's, that's the word, but that's not the word that is used here either. The word that is used here is an interesting word. It's latruo, and it it means to serve for a reason, to serve for for a reward, actually. And you're saying, well, that's kind of selfish, not when you understand what the reward is. The reward is not for Paul, the reward, well, the reward itself is, is Jesus. Jesus is our reward, and everything we do is for him. But the reward here is to see lost souls saved. He's doing it for a reason. He's serving others for a reason. He's not just serving to get a pat on the back or to get some merit badge or something like that for himself. He's serving that these people might be saved. Matter of fact, later on in the book of Romans, we talked about how his heart for the lost, that he would even, if it was possible, he would be willing to go to hell so that somebody else might go to heaven. Impact praying comes from a heart that wants to sacrifice and serve. May God change our hearts. Impact praying is also spirit to spirit. Now, if you notice the way I worded it there, we've got a capital S and a lowercase s. And if you were here last week, you remember whenever we see in Scripture the capital S, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And the lower S is is our spirit. And so what we're saying here is that impact praying is is an interaction between the Holy Spirit and our spirit, working together in prayer. He says there in verse 9, he says, uh, uh, For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit, in the gospel of his son. 
And so here he's saying, I'm serving in my spirit, but there's an interaction also with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is, comes to, to my spirit and interacts with my spirit, and my, my spirit interacts with his spirit. There's a, there's a work that is going on, and so what there needs to be in our praying, because the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts lost souls, and the Holy Spirit is the one, that, he is the, the power of the gospel that, the, to make that message known to them, and the Holy Spirit is who cleanses me so that he can use me and I can be used effectively uh, for God. There's got to be an interaction between the Holy Spirit and our praying. And we need to learn to listen to the Spirit in our praying. And instead of coming to God with our list, we need to put a blank sheet down there and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to pray for? And let him... Lead us in our praying. I tell you, an example of this is, is over in Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6 is where Paul goes through and he, he talks about the armor of Christ and, and the warfare you know, that we're involved in. Uh, there and so uh, we talk about warfare. We talk about the armor, you know, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shoes of the preparation of gospel of peace, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. And and as we're talking about war, I hope you understand that evangelism, seeing lost people saved, is war. It's a spiritual battle. That's why it's so difficult for us to come up with the courage to witness because you can't come up with the courage within yourself. The Holy Spirit's got to give that to you. We got to be dependent upon him, led by him, filled by him. There's a, it's a spiritual warfare that is going on. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to see lost. I mean, the, 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 the enemy doesn't want to see lost people saved and the Holy Spirit does and there's a battle going on. Matter of fact, in, a, in Ephesians chapter six, we, we talk about putting on the armor so that we can withstand the attacks of the enemy upon our own lives. I don't think that's really what Paul's talking about. He's writing it to the church at Ephesus. We're supposed to put on the armor so that we can protect others. And in particular, those that are lost. That we can quit, put the shield around them and quench the fiery darts the wicked one upon him so that the Holy Spirit will open up their eyes and they'll see their need for Christ. How do you do that? Through prayer. He says, put your armor on. And after he says, put your armor on, in verse 18, he says what? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. In the Spirit. And that word spirit is capitalized. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We need to be filled with the spirit so we can pray in the spirit. And see impact praying. I'll tell you this about impact praying too. It's persistent. It's persistent. Back in Romans chapter 1. In verse 9, he says, Whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Without ceasing. What does that mean? That means that he is constantly praying. He's constantly in fellowship with God. He's constantly recognizing the, the need, not only his need, but the need of those around him. And by the way, there's always lost people that need praying for. And so we need to be persistent in our praying, not just once uh, 
and then and letting it go. We need to be coming to the throne of grace every day, praying for the lost people around us. I think that's what he means over in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, when he's talking about praying without ceasing. He's not just talking about a sweet time of fellowship as we go skipping along, but he's talking about that we need to constantly be praying for others, interceding for others. It needs to be a part of our, our daily life and more than just a routine part of our life. Praying for others. Don't let up. Don't stop. Impact praying is persistent. Persistent. And by the way, we're not, we're not doing that in our, in our praying, trying to impress God with our persistence. And we're not, there's not a certain criteria that like you're playing a, a game or, or something and once you reach a certain level, you've, you've, gone, you've won the game or something like that, that you've got to you know, keep shooting the gun until you've re reached a certain level and then you've won the game or something. We're not talking, you don't win the game by doing that. We just need to be persistently, consistently coming to God in prayer because we consistently have needs. The people around us consistently have needs and every day there are lost people that are on the verge of dying and going to hell every day. Impact praying is persistent. Persistent. Impact praying comes from a place of humility. In verse 10, he says, making request, if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Making request, that word request means to beg. When's the last time you begged God to save a lost soul? It is to come from a place of poverty and saying, God, if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. We need you to move. And by the way, we are in poverty, but our God is full of supply. And so we need to recognize we can't do this without him. Matter of fact, we are not going to try it without him. And come to God in prayer. James 4, 6 says that God gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. There are people all around us that need that grace. And I think if we can go in humility and in prayer, God will give us grace that we can share with others and point them to him. Impact praying is also seeking. It's not just a persistent praying, but it's a persistent seeking as well. He says there in verse 10, and he's talking about his response as he's praying for them and he's wanting to come and see them. Notice what he says. He says, if by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. He is seeking the will of God. He is, he is seeking a, an answer to his prayer. He's, he's finding a way by, by, by any means. And so... Uh, 
Acts chapter 9 verse 16 tells us what that, that means it was for, for Paul in his life. Matter of fact, after he was saved, in Acts 9 16, he was, uh, Jesus said that when you, I was talking to uh, Ananias, and they said, when you go to him, he said, be sure you tell him this. He says, not only that he's a chosen vessel uh, of mine to hear, he says, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's seeking the will of God. He's seeking lost souls to be saved. He's seeking for opportunities to go and to, to preach the gospel in such a way that even if it's through suffering, whatever it takes, God, we want to see it happen. You know what is best. You know the only way to reach them. And so we're seeking your will. We're seeking a way. We're seeking that we're not going to stop until it happens. And matter of fact, when Paul came to Rome, you know how he got to Rome? He was a prisoner in chains on a ship. about our church and how we can be praying. And, and I shared with them Sunday night, and, and that's continuing that on Monday night, last Monday night, and then tomorrow night as well, and just until the Lord tells me not to do it anymore, I'm coming up here to this sanctuary at 6 o'clock every Monday night to pray for revival. If God lays it upon your heart and you want to join me join those some that were here this past Monday join us then feel free to come and just park there on the side this door will be unlocked and and come on in and this is what we're praying for we're praying for a revival in this church that will impact this community it is time for us to get desperately serious about prayer. Well, we've said prayers, but we haven't seen answers to prayers. And James told us why that is. He said, we're either not asking or not asking right. Our hearts are not in it. Our hearts are not right. So let's do this. Let's get our hearts right. Let's let God do a work within us, get our hearts right, so that we can be a church that prays in a way that impacts the world around us. This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Underwood Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. It's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to the sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that He will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, please go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org. All our contact information is there, and we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you are blessed by today's message.